Welcome to Jack's Tap. <clears throat> it is episode 22. I'm battling a bit of a cold, but we're going to power right through. Uh, John is not here, but he made an impact nonetheless. That is a shortened version of the intro song, little 30-second jive instead of a whole minute. Don't know how I'm going to make up for all that content. Uh, we've got to do a whole 59 and a half minutes now, so that's going to be tough. Uh, that math didn't add up. Because not only is that not, no, that's right, 59 and a half, it was 59 before, 59 and a half, but then there's the outro song, uh, Now You're Gone, I think that one's about 30 seconds, but unimportant nonetheless, but then again, this rambling just made up for that 30 seconds, beautifully done. Uh, I'm doing it solo again here today, if you're watching on YouTube, hi mom and dad, uh, Apologies for the delay. I have restarted and restarted the the computer, which is typically what fixes it, because everybody knows that just restarting devices fixes everything for some reason. But apparently not this now. Uh, in past episodes, just restarting that comp really hits the uh, audio and video together. Here we got a slight delay. Hope it doesn't ruin it for you. Uh, also, I've got a TV at my feet. I've got the two whiteboards at my feet and I've got my keyboard and mouse right here. So apologies if I am looking downward. I am trying to remember to look towards the computer, but uh you know, I actually probably don't have to wear these glasses now. Yeah. The whole point of the glasses was because I can't really see the computer, the little details very well from uh where I am. So I brought the TV over and uh, having those little, um, you know, glasses in between these headphones, the pressure from the headphones starts to hurt my temples. And if I can avoid that, I shall. So it's the 22nd episode of Jack's Tap. It is February 15th. Uh, four years ago yesterday was the first time I ever did stand up. I thought about showing you a clip of that. But I'd rather not, maybe at the five-year anniversary. Um, yeah, so on this day in history, let's go a little picture-in-picture, picture, shall we? Beauty probably still could use the glasses, but fuck it. All right. Oh, I wrote it on the whiteboard. That's right. But still got to follow it along on the computer because I'm a professional. Uh, so in the year 399 B.C., February 15th, the philosopher Socrates was about to say Socrates. Socrates is sentenced to death by the city of Athens for corrupting the minds of the youth of the city and for impiety. Now, I wasn't sure what impiety meant, so I looked up the definition and it said the lack of piety. So that was no help. Uh, basically, you don't believe in God, essentially. So he didn't have any piety, and they wanted him to have some to have some piety, but he was impotent. So didn't believe in God. So that he had to die, even though he's a really smart guy. You gotta die. Sorry about it, guys. Once again, the Dutch coast is getting ravaged. Fifteen fifty two, the Dutch coast is hit by a heavy storm. I've got to assume there are other places in the world that are being hit by heavy storms throughout history. Uh, not sure why on this day.com is so steadfast on reminding the Dutch coastliners uh, that their that their towns are just being ravaged and hit by heavy, heavy storms and floods. Not sure who died in this one. Maybe nobody. It seems that they're kind of reducing the uh, the the need for a large storm to be here and be historically significant 
uh, now they're just saying it was just hit by a heavy storm. It was there was a good amount of rain. Sorry, uh, it was huge, huge news back in the the fifties. Could I have looked up what Coastlanders' proper term was? How to describe somebody who lives along the coast? You're sure as shit I could have. Is that important? No, it is not. They will be Coastlanders for the rest of time. So once again, to my Dutch followers, apparently February 9th and 8th, I think it was February 8th, that's not the only date you got to worry about. It's the entire month of February. It's probably going to be all of history. So if you're Dutch, get out of there. That's a bad place to be. Heavy storms. There's no other heavy storms in any other country, according to this, uh, according to this website. So I think you better get the heck out of Dodge. Get the heck out of Dutch. 1768 on this day, the first mustard manufactured in America advertised, comma, Philadelphia. Now, I'm not quite sure what Philadelphia has to do with that. Was it just advertised in Philadelphia? Is Philadelphia the name of the mustard? Um, this really weird qualifier for a significant historical uh, event it's not even the it's not the first mustard manufactured. This isn't the invention of mustard. Uh this isn't the first manufactured mustard in America. That already happened on another day. This is the first time that American mustard was advertised. It had just been kind of laying low for a while. They were like, "Let's build a solid foundation here of mustarders." And then we'll start to get more people, specifically in Philadelphia. We want to get the Philadelphians uh, first, then we'll move on. But first things first, first mustard, American mustard. We don't want any of that commie shit, none of that Dutch stuff. They got a bunch of storm water stuck in their mustard. It's disgusting. Uh, That's that, that little liquidy stuff you got at the top that's just clear. And you're like, I don't want that on my sandwich. Um So, first mustard that was manufactured in America was advertised. That is important, and I'm glad to teach you guys that. That was in 1768. Even more important, guys, in 1842, the first adhesive postage stamps in the U.S., uh, that's it, private delivery company in NYC. So, um Adhesive postage stamps were invented in the United States. I'm sure that really did a lot for the Postal Service. Even though this is a private delivery company that had it, they probably had a patent on those postage stamps, that adhesion uh, that they developed for up to 10 years, I believe, the, uh, the postage patents last up to a decade. So they really had a, a stronghold on the delivery system of using stamps everybody else had to use giant globs of tape i know scotch tape was definitely around in 1842 pardon me but uh so people just had to waste so much time putting these stamps on they'd tape them on took too much time it didn't look as professional it didn't work as well scotch tape back in the 1840s was bad Um, Some people used duct tape, which was definitely also around in the 1840s, but it just covered the dang stamp. You couldn't tell. So there was a big controversy in 1845, sorry, 1835, pardon me, where people were just putting duct tape around their envelopes. And, uh, you know, for a while, the U.S. Postal Service and private companies such as uh, this one, they just assumed that there was postage underneath, but there was no way to prove it until one day uh, a delivery man, um, George's Cuvier, he took off the duct tape because he was a pervert and he was trying to look inside of the envelope and he found that there was actually no stamp underneath. People were getting bamboozled because scotch uh, duct tape was less expensive than stamps at the time, even with no adhesion. And so people would just put duct tape over their envelopes, no stamp, and they were getting away with it for like, a, a, you know, 
what felt like forever to the United States Postal Service at the time. So in comes this private delivery company who will not be named because that's not important for this this event. It's just important that you know adhesion was developed. Uh, so in came them. They developed adhesion, made it easier for people to put those stamps on, and then, you know, uh, delivery just flourished from then on. So that's an important thing, 1842. Uh, real weird one coming up here from 1936. Adolf Hitler announces the construction of the Volkswagen Beetle. The people's car is what they called it, or he called it, a.k.a. the Koffer, Kafer, Koffer, Koffer. That's the German pronunciation slash beetle. So Hitler invented the beetle. That's fun. Um, no wonder everybody punches everybody when they see a beetle. It brings out violence in everyone. That feels just as the Hitler mustache and the name Hitler itself has been abolished from modern society. I think we should abolish the beetle, the Volkswagen beetle. Because apparently Hitler fucking made it. Did he think this was the purest car? Like this is what Aryans should have been driving? This should have been a huge red flag for everybody in Germany to not vote for this guy, not go along with his uh, shenanigans, to put it lightly, uh, throughout World War II and the Holocaust. Because that's what he thought was the people's car. That's the purest version of a car, he thought. It's the people's car, but it's called the Beetle. That's just contradictory. It's not a good, it's a weird car. It's got a high top. It's all circular and stuff, which I guess I should like because I'm tall. And I guess that makes sense because Germans are tall, uh, you know, a good amount of the time. They got a lot of tall gents, okay? They need high top cars. There's a lot of cars I get in, even SUVs, where my head's touching the top and I can barely see through the front windshield without bending over. Then I'm messing up my posture. I'm talking myself into liking the Beetle. But this should have been a sign for one, not going along with that Nazi stuff, okay? Because this car sucks. And two, stop making the Beetle. Granted, I don't really see him much anymore, but I feel like Volkswagen has a lot of other good cars that they could hang their hat on. And nobody knows that Hitler, apparently, I mean, he announced the construction of it. Maybe he had nothing to do with it. You could click to learn more, but typically when you click to learn more on this website, it just says the same thing, but it's just now on its own page. So let's not and just assume that Hitler made that car. Everyone boycott Volkswagen. Thank you. Last one. 1965, John Lennon passes his driving test. Baby, you can drive your own car now. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I came up with for that one. So John Lennon passes his driving test. I don't know if that was a difficulty for him. Anybody know? Did John Lennon try and pass his driver's test several times and he was struggling with it? Is this just because he came over to America and needed to get a license? Did none of the other guys get licenses? Is that the story behind Drive My Car? John Lennon was the only one that got a driver's license, so they, uh, they just told him to drive him everywhere? I don't know. I guess I could have thought of a joke that had to do with the fact that that car was named Beetle and this is about a Beetle. But I enjoy the drive my car bit. So that's where we're going to keep it. So yeah, congratulations, John Lennon. You were able to drive. Uh, let's, let's head back to me and let's make that just, just me. Looking right at you. Straight into the camera. Um, yes, we're doing it solo again. I've got some topics to cover here. Um, we're going to watch... Paul Giamatti as John Adams, like I, like I said we would last week, um, and like I did in that one episode where I didn't hit record, so that's fun. Um, but it was a 
it was a it's a good week for me. I had a, a horrendous cold throughout the week. You know, blowing out that green stuff, real fun. It was nice and dry in the mornings and then just running the rest of the day ridiculously. Mucus is no longer green, but I am feeling a sneeze coming on just as I'm saying it. It's like a yawn. If you talk about it, it's going to come on. And I might pause this podcast at some point just to blow out, blow my nose at some point. I hope you guys don't mind. You probably won't even notice. I tested that as well, and it worked. So hopefully it does in this. All of a sudden, my eyes watering. It's probably because I need to sneeze. You know what? Let's take our first blow nose break right here. I'm going to hit pause. And we are back. That's movie magic, baby. I am amazing at this. Um, so this week I was sick throughout it, but couldn't miss a day of work because it was the third grade music show, guys. Third grade music show happened this week. I want to show a lot of cute clips, but feels a little weird to uh, put images of all the kids. It's it, it would literally be me showing you the entire third grade class because that iPhone 11 Pro has great wide angle, super wide angle, and whatever the other camera's name is, lenses, and I'm able to capture everybody at once. I got a, I'm sure I got a lot of pervs out there. They're mainly Dutch, but what can you do? They're all being ravaged by storms. You can't blame them for anything. They have a tough life. Moving off of that, wow. Uh, yeah, so I'm not going to show any clips of it, but I had the distinct honor of hitting play on uh, this Barna Rhinelander song where uh, I just go to, I go off stage, I hit play, let it play for two, hour, uh, two hours, two minutes and 26, 26 seconds, and then I hit pause. And then I walk off stage and uh, I always awkwardly have to kind of maneuver my way in between 40 kids as they're going off and on the stage on the staircase as well. And it just looks goofy. I'm worried, especially on Friday morning when all the parents came that they're looking at me like, who the fuck is that guy? But that's fine. I don't like wearing my name, my name tag that has like the access code to get into the building and it has my face on it and it shows that I am an employee and not just some dude that get that she hired to hit play and pause. It feels weird around my neck. I don't like things around my neck. I keep it in my pocket everywhere I go. So if somebody's like, hey, who are you? I just go, bam, right there. Jack McWilliams. I work here. Super cute though. Um, my kids did great. Brady, it's his favorite week of the year. He couldn't stop singing everywhere we went. Maybe I can just, I can play you a little, little soundbite at least. Don't need to see it. This is us in the motor room. So that's super cute, and the guy has a great falsetto. Don't ever tell me Brady doesn't have a fantastic falsetto. Even at eight years old, prepubescent, he still goes for that falsetto. Gotta hit the high notes. Gotta hit the high C. Um, so that's his favorite thing of the year is the music show. He was pumped up. Hard to keep him focused all week. A lot of singing, a lot of dancing. Um, that was just the week. Paulus, a guy who uh not big into music, but he actually uh and he doesn't get to music class a lot. He's not there for the whole time. He's getting his post recess reward a lot of the times during when music is happening. So he gets there late all the time. Had no idea what he was doing on the xylophones. He was just whacking the shit out of it. Um but he sang along to a lot of the things. He did certain dances and he was there. He never needed a break. Declan, the dude 
hates music. He's always there, but he's always trying to get out. Um, yeah, I don't think he's sang one word all year. Definitely didn't during any of the rehearsals or the music shows, but that's fine. He was up there the whole time. He wasn't making a big scene. He was just standing there quiet. And uh, I'm getting a call from Kendrick right now. Let's use that pause feature once again. It's kind of beautiful. And we're back. Um, Probably could have recorded that conversation. It was very humorous. It's going to be my man Kendrick's birthday on Monday, I believe. And for his birthday today, he wants to get a bunch of classic cereals, which basically means a bunch of insanely sugar-rich cereals. And eat them, and get real drunk, too. I don't know how that combo's going to work. That's a lot of milk and alcohol that and sugar. He basically named me 10 different cereals, and like six of them had chocolate in it, like Cocoa Crisps, uh, whatever that fucking cookie cereal is, Cocoa Puffs. Um, there was another one, Count Chocula or some shit. Got to get some Fruit Loops as well, Lucky Charms. There was a lot. There was a lot. Um, I enjoy that I am his go-to guy to uh, for sugary cereal advice. It's actually kind of funny. I'm literally trying to, you know, this second quarter of my life, we're hitting that healthy lifestyle and we're hitting it hard and we're being consistent. And then my friends literally want to eat the worst kind of food for their birthdays and I'm an asshole if I don't and I'm not going to be that one guy who's just eating two bowls okay we're going three maybe four bowls I don't know we'll see how it goes that it probably is going to be too much chocolate and sugar uh I say that now until I you know start eating and there's like 10 different cereals you can't just have a couple so where what what was I talking about the third grade music show I think yeah, so he's hitting that falsetto. It's fantastic. Um, I hit a button. Yeah. On Thursday, I did three shows. Two music shows and a stand-up show in Oak Park. It was zero degrees. I still drove out to Oak Park. The 05 Honda Pilot handling its business. I went up there and opened with a joke about how this is my third show of the day. And then I said that the first two were the third grade music show, got a big laugh. I'm going to have to pretend that the third grade music show is happening every single time I do stand-up from now on. It's just a new thing. So I got that. I've been opening with a lot of my shows just being like, I'm a great guy, or if at any point you don't feel like laughing, just know I work with special needs kids in an elementary, at an elementary school, so I'm a great guy. And it gets a big laugh, and I don't stutter every time. I fucking nail it. And yes. So that's a fun thing. I think my bit might now be just me continually having like a whole 10 minutes about the kids and different things about it and saying I'm a great guy every time I shit on kids. And it's just a nice little reminder and uh, a funny juxtaposition. And I think that's going to that's gonna be me. I'm a great guy. All right. Oh. Another thing that has to do with kids, I reread one of my uh, childhood, I don't know if you could call it a favorite, it's just actually one of the books I read as a kid. I didn't read many books growing up, I don't read many books now, so why not reread a book that I already read as a kid and really try and increase that number, Bud Not Buddy, a great, great story. Um... It's like 245 pages, and I did it in like three days. No big deal. So apparently I'm a naturally good reader still. Um, yeah, great story about this uh, young black boy growing up in the 1930s uh, in Flint, Michigan. He is an orphan. His mom died four years ago when he was six, which makes him 10 throughout the book. Um, he's just getting put around in these terrible houses and, you know, then gets sent back to the home. So this time he gets sent to a place with a horrible family where the kid beats him up and the mom is just horrible to him. They make him sleep in a shed. So he 
breaks out. He escapes, and then he goes off to try and find who he thinks is his dad in Grand Rapids, who's this famous musician. And a lot of adventures ensue. Does he find him? Does he not? Is it his dad? Is it not? Um, you find out for yourself. Bud, not buddy. It was a, a, a book that I read, I believe, with my dad pretty much throughout because even though it was one of the few books I actually read, God knows I didn't read that thing on my own. Needed some help. Uh, so kind of like... I'm doing with my physical fitness right now. I think I'm going to do this for my mental fitness. Uh, I've I've been hitting the gym hard. Okay, I went every day this week, and I was you know coughing, coughing up some some Rona virus and some some nice green mucus. Hope you're not eating during this podcast. Uh, and I was still hitting the gym hard every day. No excuses. It's fucking zero degrees out two of those days. I've got a cold, and I'm still hitting that gym, okay? Because now I'm at the point where it feels good to work out again. I'm liking the soreness. I'm liking the sweat. I need it. It's giving me energy, and it's making me feel more mentally healthy as well. People, especially my parents, my dad especially, especially, have been telling me for a long freaking time now to eat healthier, start working out, but it really doesn't, you know, great advice, should have listened to it, but it's another lesson of uh, the person isn't going to do something until they're ready to do it. Um, I finally just was like, Jesus, I'm like sleepy the moment I get home from work and I just lay in bed before I go out and do comedy and I feel like wearing sweatpants all the time. Probably should work on this. Shouldn't be 25 and have a dad bod that is beating out other people's dad bods who are dads. Basically, we're grinding at the gym, but I took my time. I didn't force myself to hit crazy weights, hurt myself, and then, you know, deter myself from going to the gym more often. I wanted to just ease into it. I think that's what we're going to do with with reading books because I'd like to start reading more books. Maybe I'll just read some childhood favorites. Not picture books. We're not talking Captain Underpants, okay? Freak the Mighties next. That's what I'm going to do. And hopefully, by just I felt super accomplished when I finished that book. I was cruising through it. 245 pages to me is insanity. So it really helped that it was, it was like I was hitting five-pound dumbbell bench press. And you know what? Just accomplishing that made me feel good. Let's ease into it. And by the end of the year, I'll be reading the classics. Moby Dick. The Giver. To Kill a Mockingbird. I've already read two. No, I definitely didn't read The Giver. I was supposed to. I didn't. To Kill a Mockingbird. I did actually read that. That's a good book. But, um, you know, there's other great books. I don't even. I can't even recall other classic novels right now. I know I know them, but that just goes to show how little I read. So we're going to ease in to reading this year, I think, with a couple childhood favorites and then work our way up from there. I've read a lot of comedy books where it's like Steve Martin, Born Standing Up. I've read a couple Judd Apatow ones, Sick in the Head, and forget Gary Shandling is on fire. I just read that as well. But it's all like comedy stuff. I want to read actual books that are like you know stories and not just comedy which I already get enough of through my podcast and stand-up get me off these devices and start reading some more let my mind use its imagination it was pretty fun rereading this thing I was just like oh that's right this fucking happened and oh I completely forgot about that or like wow yeah I do remember this pretty clearly didn't remember the ending I liked it uh it was good also reminds you, not going to spoil anything, but you don't have to just have a clean wrap-up on a story. You don't need to just, like, give... You don't need to solve every problem. You just can leave them in the spot, and hopefully you like where the kid ends up. I did. I think it's great. Nice little... I don't know. Not going to spoil it. Because I know all of you, especially my Dutch guys, are going to read Button Up, buddy. All right. Um, 
Speaking of getting off devices, uh, it's been a good week without the dating apps. It's pretty pathetic and just very indicative of how addicted I was to just going on them along with other things because, you know, I'd like scroll through my Twitter and then I'd get off and then I'd like turn the page to where the dating apps used to be and I'd go to like click them just to see if I had notifications and uh, I was I was like, right, I don't even have the fucking app anymore, you idiot. Get off your phone. So that was good. Constant reminders to not be on my phone. I was off my phone more uh, than I normally am. Baby steps. And uh, just kind of doesn't cloud my mind with constant reminders that like uh, it's really annoying to date nowadays and that uh, you don't have a constant feeling of like, oh, I got to keep this conversation go with this person or like ah, I went on a date with this person I wonder what that fucking means it's out of my head it's kind of nice a lot more clear-headed so that's where I'm at with that guys 2020 this next quarter of my life we're fucking getting healthy and all 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 definitions of the word physical mental the other ones emotional spiritual Every one of them. Now, do I still sweat an insane amount and out of my pits from very simple activities? Yes, I do. Is that ever going to go to? Is that ever going to go away in my life? Apparently not. This great T-shirt is just atrocious right now. Um, and I put doesn't matter if I don't have deodorant on. If I do have deodorant on, it's coming out, and I'm just sitting here. I literally got out of the shower after the gym. And it wasn't one of those where I kept sweating through the shower. I did a good job. The sweat had ended. Then I showered and I got out and I was just laying in bed, just uh, listening to the end of a podcast that I was listening to while I was working out. And my pit started sweating already. I was like, what in the world? I'm literally sitting in a bed and I just showered. So I was like, had my arms on my knees, so I got some air in there, still was sweating, but then like I had a drop drop off. I was like, okay, I guess I got to close them, but then that made it sweat more, so I don't know what to do about that, and I'm not fucking getting surgery on my pits, just going to have to deal with it. Maybe I got to get some prescription strength deodorant. Uh, all right. I should probably get back on topic. Where are we at? This timer is now thrown off because um, I've paused it several times. Let's use the glasses real quick to see what it says on the comp. 33 minutes. All right. That's enough time to get through some other things. All right. So last week, like I said, Brady wanted to work for watching a president's video on the iPad. Um, And what he... Googled what he had me look up was John Adams movie. Now, normally we watch like cute animaniac songs that are animated. It's just giving facts about each president in a song version makes it easy to memorize and it's fun and it's made for kids. Clearly what he had me look up had Paul Giamatti. It was live action. And the title of this is ambassador. John Adams meets the King George the third of Britain should just be meets King George, the third of Britain. And I was like, okay, that's, uh, that's seems a little intense. And I've always been concerned now because I've seen some of the things he watches on YouTube that are like kids shows and they edit in like just swears and horrible language and, just crazy, crazy things into these kids' shows because apparently there's just sadistic people out there that want to trick kids into, you know, losing their innocence. That's its own thing. So I looked at the comments of it to see if anyone was, like, you know, talking about this being, like, terrible or something. And it was just this first person says, talk about controlled tension. You could have cut the tension with a knife, lol. Fortunately, things went rather well in this meeting, all things considered. Parenthesis, I read this exchange is pretty much what actually happened as it was all recorded. 
Um, okay, so it seems like it's just going to be a, a well-done production here. And what I found out later is that this is actually just um, John Adams, the TV show that was on HBO. And Paul Giamatti plays him. So let's watch John Adams meet King George III. Notice I don't say the King George III because that sounds stupid. Lord Carmarthen, the foreign minister, will make the official introduction to his majesty. And upon being ushered into the royal presence chamber, you will make three references. Like so. So, one man in a wig is telling Paul Giamatti in a wig, one, this is how he greets the, the king. A second, He's supposed to make three bows. He's doing different type of bows third, as he walks up to the guy. As you come before the royal presence. That one is way too low. Below the, below the belt. It's disrespectful for a president to well, bow that would, low. Mr. Adams. Please? Classic Paul, classic Paul Giamatti sound right there. Uh, well, uh, well, uh, uh, okay, well. Sounds more like Owen Wilson, I'm realizing, but Paul Giamatti always just goes, ah, oh, ah. One? Even when he's the president. Lower, sir. Two. <clears throat> Truly lower, Mr. Adams. Uh, an improper reverence has been the undoing of many a foreign ambassador. <sighs> I tremble at the thought of being stared at with the evil eyes. Avert your eyes, sir, until you come before the royal presence. <clears throat> yes. Uh, yes. May I also suggest that perhaps a change of attire would not be unwarranted, sir? This is an eight-year-old kid I work suggest? with that wants to watch this as a reward for behaving all day. And his eyes were just glued. Even he could tell you could cut this tension with a knife. So here comes... Here comes the king. He's being carried on a carriage. Oh, sorry, that's Paul Giamatti going in the carriage. Apparently they're going to the king. Let's cut ahead here. Some intense music. And in walks Paul Giamatti into the room with the king. Now he looks across an entirely too large room with no furniture in it other than a king's throne. And he's not even sitting in it. He's just standing right next to it. So Paul Giamatti notices how far he's got to walk for each of these three bows to take place. And boy, does he not want to do it. First bow. A little hesitant. King George III looks on. Mm, proper depth. His arms went out far enough. Yes. One for three. Let's see how he does on the second one. Yes, nice and centered. How far shall he go in depth? Mm, not quite good, but he isn't looking at me. That's all right. That's all right. Who the fuck is this other guy? It's just standing next to the king. And his third bow. Good. Good. Well done. Now he looks up. And it's the guy who plays every British character in every fucking movie that's ever happened. This guy was in uh, Pirates of the Caribbean and he plays the one guy who's like real, who like kind of seems like he might be one of the villains in the movie, but he really has like no fucking power. He's just the dumb, he's just the dumb uh, fucking British general. Jack Davenport is his name. Did a quick blow of the nose. Did a quick Google. His name is Jack Davenport. Turns out he doesn't actually play that many British people. It's just this and Pirates of the Caribbean. But the guy knows his wheelhouse a little bit. He can pull off a nice white wig, a nice pompous look, and he can play a Brit like nobody. Nobody else. No current Brits, though. Gotta be wig-wearing Brits. 
Got to be from that era. So anyways, I uh, think I got all I could get out of this Paul Giamatti thing. Just found it fun and entertaining that uh, an eight-year-old was like, no, no. Like, I, don't, I was like, oh, you want to watch the president song? He's like, no. Look up John Adams' movie. I was like, oh, okay. It's going to be some animated thing. No. Oh, live action? Click on it. Is that Paul Giamatti? The hell kind of show is this? And, it's, and he was like, yeah, that video specifically. There were several other options, but he wanted to watch when King George III and Ambassador John Adams meet. And it's, you know, it's a very quiet, not action-packed scene. It's just him meeting him and bowing three times. So that's fun. Um, speaking of presidents, not really. Um, Here's a nice fun clip of Michael Bloomberg giving a real bad, bad answer to um, what's his response to his 2015 comments being leaked about um, what he said about black people and the stop and frisk policy that he he implemented or he just kept it uh, during his time as mayor of New York. Well, here's what he said, some of it at least. He says, uh, 95% of your murders, murderers and murder victims fit one MO. You can just take the description, Xerox it, and pass it out to all the cops. They are male minorities, 16 to 25. That's true in New York. That's true in virtually every city. And that's where the real crime is. You've got to go... You've got to get the guns out of the hands of the people that are getting killed. Something else that he said. Yeah. He says, you want to spend the money on a lot of cops in the streets. Put those cops where the crime is, which means in minority neighborhoods. So... Unintended consequences is people say, oh, my God, you are arresting kids for marijuana that are all minorities. Yes, that's true. Why? Because we put all the cops in the minority neighborhoods. Yes, that's true. Why do we do it? Because that's where all the crime is. And the way you go and the way you get the guns out of the kids hands is to throw them up against the wall and frisk them. And then they start. They say, oh, I don't want to get caught, so they don't bring the gun. They still have a gun, but they leave it at home. So not very great comments. Some truth to it, I'm sure. Um, But both back then and now, instead of trying to explain, like, well, uh, minority neighborhoods are historically disenfranchised, and so they kind of turn to crime and black market things to provide for themselves and their family because people's instinct is to survive and they'll do it any way that's possible. And in these minority neighborhoods, a lot of the times that are poor, uh, that is crime. So yeah. And also he's just, you know, not doing anything at least here, uh, to change those circumstances instead he's just trying to like battle it at the surface and stop and frisk just criminals as opposed to trying to uh, fix a community so it doesn't even have to have criminals or it de-incentivizes being a criminal Um, but regardless of all of that I really don't know much about the topic I just know this is not the way that you answer the question if you want to move on from it Give a little bit better of a holistic answer here. So here is, wait, let's go back to picture in picture. Here's Michael Bloomberg. Mr. Mayor, why did you say what you said in that 2015 speech? Um, I don't think those words reflect uh, how I led the most diverse city in the nation. And, okay, you said uh, the words. For the uh, practice and the pain that it caused. But why uh, did but you say it? It was uh, five years ago, and uh, you know, it's just not the way that I think, and it's that's not the way. It doesn't reflect what I do every day. Yeah, back to the the 2015. Love this so reporter. Apologize for 
using and promoting your policy of stop and frisk, but those comments on that audio, you know, they're, they're more than just talking about stop and, I mean, they're pretty derogatory comments about African Americans and the neighborhoods that they live in. So beyond the policy, do you apologize for those, those remarks? Those don't reflect the way that I've governed or the way that I run my company or the way that I live. Um, and um, I've led the most diverse city in the country, and the public there re elected me and re-elected me uh, uh, two other times, so I think uh, they're pretty happy. But do you apologize for saying those words? I'll share the first part of the question. Are you concerned that your comments might affect your performance with African Americans? I do not think so. I think people look at it and they say that uh, those words don't, don't reflect uh, Michael Bloomberg's uh, way he governed in New York City, the way he runs his company, the way his philanthropy works. Okay, so a um, few thoughts. Too much, uh, uh, mm, uh, what are you, recording a podcast in the moment? You're running for president. It's pretty clear that that clip that for some reason you let get recorded in 2015, which... Again, another point, five years ago, not that fucking long ago. It's not like you can pull the whole like, well, it was 15 years ago, you know, and I've since done this X, Y, and Z to show my remorse and to change certain things and to give back to those communities and find different ways. None of that, just, well, it was five years ago. Okay, you've only gotten fucking older since then and probably much richer. Can't imagine you've changed your thoughts much. Especially when you just say, well, it was five, uh, you know, five years ago. Um, another, another point, love that reporter that just kept being like, right, uh, back to the question. Just like, right, you just said nonsense for a little bit there. Back to what I said. And I wish people would interview Trump like that. Like, Jesus Christ, the amount of times he just gets away with completely moving off where the question was like I get you you don't want to like lose him in an interview I guess and have him end the interview but you know especially for people that are like trying to make him look really bad um, which whether I agree with that being professional or not it's like if you're trying to make him look bad keep being like all right you didn't answer what the question is the question is this and you repeat it again and just see what happens. If all of a sudden he rage quits your interview, that's a pretty good clip for you. Oh, he won't answer what I said, and instead he fucking left. Or you finally get him to address the actual substance of the question. So I love this interviewer just consistently being like, right, but the question once again is. And then also, yeah, just how do you not have a ready-to-go answer here? Like you're, I've heard, I've seen now that he spent 300 million plus on advertising, which is just absolute bullshit that, you know, I get, I think people run for president for too long. Like it's way too long of a charade nowadays. It should be, you know, everybody should have to start at the same time and it shouldn't be this one like two year long process because then we're just always fucking worried about who's running for president but as long as the system is the way it is right now you can't just join in once you know primaries are going on like he literally can't even get on the debate stage he can't get in the primaries because he joined so late but yet all of a sudden he's just like buying his way into it and people are like, well, you know, Bernie can't do it. Why not? What in the world? If Bernie was anybody else right now, he would absolutely be the candidate that everybody is glomming onto. But because he's truly independent of billionaire donors, clearly the Democratic establishment or the billionaires who run the fucking world must just not want him. So they're doing everything they can to just not have it be him who is the Democratic nominee. And then you got this other billionaire, whether good intentioned or not, is just buying his way into the race because he thinks that none of the other people can beat 
Trump, I don't know. I think it would be a real bad look for the Democratic Party to just let this guy buy his way in. And, on t- you know, you're so prepared to spend 300 mil on advertisements and you don't have a ready-to-go answer that's better than, uh, I, I guess what I said can be seen as racist, but uh, it's not the way that I think, even though it's the way I talk as recently as five fucking years ago. That's not a long time ago, sir. It clearly is the way you think, because you said it. So... I don't know much about him, but I just I don't like the cut of his jib. Obviously, I'd rather him than Trump, I guess, because he's just not like outwardly horrible. But uh, boy, oh boy, not not my guy. Probably better than Biden, though, because uh, so far I haven't heard or seen him do inappropriate things with children, whether he's related to them or not. Biden sucks. And so does this guy. Yeah. Um, And my guy, Andrew Yang, dropped... Not my guy, but Andrew Yang dropped out. So I think I'm a Bernie guy now. Got to go back to... Got to go back to him. He's just got too many fucking followers that are like genuine followers. He's got minorities. He's got young people. I think it seems like he's got older people too. Clearly people... Clearly more people want a moderate candidate because Buttigieg, Klobuchar, Biden, they're getting more votes in total. Like if you combined all of their numbers, it's more than what Bernie's getting. But nobody can fucking decide on which one of those people they want. And yet a lot of people can decide, yeah, I want to go with Bernie. So why don't you just get behind the guy? DNC, you're clearly corrupt. See if you can't get in a little bit more moderate person as the VP or something like that, or start being like, all right, clearly this is where the party is headed. Uh, Clearly this is what the people want. Let's get behind it, see if we can incorporate his ideas, but also some of our more moderate democratic ideals. And let's come together as a fucking unit here and get on the same page. Good Lord. We're going to lose where the Democrats are going to lose the election again because they're just fucking learning nothing from Bloomberg. Also, a hilarious addition of this. Michael Bloomberg saying that he sees Hillary Clinton as a viable VP. Good God. Good God. Gosh, gracious, goodness, gracious. Literally, Hillary, like gave an endorsement to Bernie by shit-talking him. Like, people do not like her. She lost to Donald Trump. Not a very successful person to have with you on your ticket. I guess you're going full moderate there, so maybe, but good Lord. Could you be less self-aware? That is not going to help you, guy. All right. We got one more super ungenuine apology, but this time it's in sports. The Houston Astros. Uh, the Houston Astros caught up in a giant, biggest scandal since steroids. They, um, I forget if we've talked about this at all, but basically they're accused of stealing pitchers' uh, signs and like indicating to. Basically, they film from like center field what the pitcher and catcher, what their signals are. And they, whether by like hitting trash cans from the dugout or potentially even worse, having buzzers on the bodies underneath the jerseys of whoever is at bat, whoever is the on offense, the hitter, uh, the batter. They're telling the batter what pitch is coming next from the pitcher. So before they get the pitch, it'll buzz or they'll hit from the dugout something that signals it's a fastball, it's a changeup, it's a curveball, slider, splitter, what have you, which is an immense advantage. Like that ball, a fastball is coming in at least 95 miles an hour nowadays. 
and a changeup could be downwards of like 80. So that is a ginormous gap of mile per hour or a crazy curveball coming in. Just knowing what's happening and not having to, in that split second where the ball is released from the pitcher and going to you, also decide, oh shit, what is this? Nope, I know what it is. Change up, okay, I'll wait on a little bit. Fastball, got to get ready. Curveball, it's going to be coming outside. That doesn't mean it's a ball. It means it's a curveball and it's going to come back in. Just an insane advantage. And the Houston Astros won the World Series in 2017 using those tech uh, tactics. Were very successful in 2018, I think, went to the conference cha- uh, conference championship. That's not what they call it, the ALCS championship series, which is... Uh, semifinal final four teams and then last year they made it to the world series game seven and lost thankfully now i guess because they were cheaters and they have just really gone dark on any sort of apology or even acknowledgement of this huge scandal um until now uh, a couple days ago they had their probably two leaders and best players of the team that are currently on it finally address the media in two just incredibly short, non-contrite and genuine apologies, and then the owner apologizes horribly and contradicts himself as well. All right, so let's get up the clip of Alex Bregman and Jose Altuve apologizing. And another thing, especially Alex Bregman, is like a huge... uh, fucking shit talker in baseball which I think is good for the sport but you can't just only do it when you're crushing it as a baseball player and then when you get caught for a horrible cheating scandal and you're being accused as one of the players who did most of the stuff or all of the bad stuff then all of a sudden just shut up and not say anything it is super super bad looks for him Thank you, Jim. I have some brief remarks that I'd like to share with y'all. I'm really sorry about the choices that were made by my team. Okay, first of all, just really funny that he's holding his hands together like a fucking presidential candidate, just touching the tips of those fingers and sounds so not sorry. I am really sorry. Fuck you. By the organization and by me. I've learned from this. Mm -hmm. And I hope to regain the trust of baseball fans. I would also like to thank the Astros fans for all of their support. We as a team are totally focused on moving forward. I'm sure you are. Why would you not be? Thank you. And that was a total of, I'm at 46 seconds into the video. So that was like 35 seconds. Good Lord. Here comes Jose Altuve, the guy who won MVP. Thank you, Jim, and thank you, Alex. Uh, I also will be brief. We had a great uh, team meeting last night. And I want to say that the whole Astros organization and the team uh, feel bad about what happened in in 2017, <clears throat> we especially feel remorse for the impact in our fans and the gain of baseball. And our team is determined to, to move forward, to play with intensity, and to bring back a championship to Houston in, in 2020. Thank you. And then that was a total of 40 seconds there, too. So... People have been waiting for them to acknowledge this head on. They had been holding their players, uh, you know, like not allowing the media to talk to their players at all. Um, Not allowing any questions or addressing. And then finally, when they allow them to speak or they have them speak, they literally both start it by saying, I'm going to be brief. Then they walk off the stage before they can get any questions. They're each 40 seconds each. Clearly, Jose Altuve is of uh, a, a native Spanish speaker, but, uh, you know, does it, he can clearly speak English. 
so those were just very disingenuous. Didn't really like it. No need to talk about how you're focused on this year. No need to talk about how you, you're hoping to prove whatever this year. Just show that on the field, and that'll shut people up on its own. And yeah, if you guys go out and now, you know, probably make the World Series, win the World Series, that'll shut people up. But you can save the trash talk for then. For right now, just fucking own up to it and let's get some answers here as opposed to this bullshit. And what's even worse is the owner and what he had to say and even just straight up contradicting himself in with, within a minute long clip. Let's go here. And here's the owner of the Houston Astros. You know, our opinion is, uh, you know, that this didn't impact the game. Um, so he says, our opinion is that this didn't impact the game. Okay. We had a good team. Um, we won the World Series, and we'll leave it at that. Not even an apology. About the Yankees there, did you say you feel like this didn't impact the game? Yes, he did. And what do you mean by that? I, I didn't say it didn't impact the game. You know, our opinion is, uh, you know, that this didn't impact the game. I, I didn't say it didn't impact the game. You know, our opinion... Okay. Uh, you, Jesus Christ. Good Lord. Somebody say, somebody send Michael Bloomberg out there and handle this apology with more grace and aplomb. That was so terribly botched. You've literally had months now to prepare statements on this. I get that you don't want to incriminate yourself more than you have to because an investigation has been done, the punishments have been doled out, and they've proven all they can prove, seemingly. So you're not going to just be like, yeah, they're right, we did use buzzers. I'm not saying you have to do that, but he didn't even say we apologize there. He just said it didn't impact the game. We had a good team, and we won the World Series, and we'll leave it at that. And then someone's like, did you just say it didn't impact the game? How did... How do you figure that? He's like, well, I didn't say it didn't impact the game. Dude, this is being recorded. You clearly did. You know, it's not being recorded, though, is that big sneeze that I just have because of the great pause feature that I have uh, figured out now. So, yeah, some bogus apologies. One much more serious and more... uh impactful on the world than the other clearly I mean but that just sucks I remember the Houston Astros shit talking the Cubs the Cubs won the World Series in 2016 the Astros won it in 2017 and the Cubs kind of they didn't really falter that much they made it to the championship series the next year and yet people said they had a that they had a um, a championship hangover and then they asked the Astros players after they won, they were like, do you think you're going to have a championship hangover this next year? And they're like, no, we're not like the Cubs. We have better players. And then what did they do the next year? They made it to the championship series and lost literally the exact same result as the Cubs the year after. The only difference is they were fucking cheating. So fuck the Astros, dude. Good Lord. You want to root for these... Um, smaller market teams not that Houston is that small but um, these teams that aren't like the Yankees and the Red Sox and Dodgers and even the Cubs teams that pay over 200 million dollars and kind of buy their way to championships but um, at least that is all things that you can show it's not fucking cheating the game that's how the rules are set up um, yeah alright we're at an hour uh, here's to hoping I didn't fuck anything up. I'm going to go blow my nose some more. I'm going to go apparently get drunk and eat sugary cereals. And then we're going to be right back on that workout grind tomorrow. Got to gotta go chalk the sidewalks for my Evanston comedy show, Wild Comedy Club at the Celtic Knot. It's free, 7.30 p.m. Sunday the 16th, come on out for some great stand-up. We actually do have a really good lineup this weekend. And uh, got a got a rehearsal. So we're, we're on the grind. We don't stop for stuffy noses, all right? All right, 
you're all handsome. See you next week. Now you're gone. Missing me